Let's just cut that out. Okay. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Hey everyone, this is Abraham. And your co-host Ryan O. And so this is Why We Do What We Do. Welcome. We have made it into your earbuds. (laughs) Or at least your speakers. It's magic. Congratulations. We have some quick shout outs, right? Yeah, I would like to just shout out really quick. We have a a longtime friend, um, both I think personally and of the show. Uh, Mark Danton and yes. so he wrote into us and he just had some nice things to say um, about the podcast and so just wanted to shout out and say uh, thanks buddy yeah um, I can't believe we never were like hey can we get some feedback on this because he's the podcast master yeah uh, at least in my world you know he's the one that put uh, turned me on and said like check them out 99% invisible was the first one that he told me to like go check out myself yeah and I was like this guy's pretty cool and he was like, I listen to podcasts for 40, 50 hours a week. And I was like, that's insane, man. It's a lot of, a lot that, of podcasting. That's like you. Yeah. I mean, if you like. I'm, I'm not quite as extreme, but I'm around 30 hours a week. I think maybe that's what it is. I might be blown out of proportion. But Mark, thank you. Um, he like binged it out and was like, yeah, you guys weren't the greatest, but it's gotten a lot better. And it's like <laughs> okay. actually really good. And yeah. so appreciate that. The other one was we recorded. What was this? It was exactly a week ago. And there was a listener, Brittany from Norway. That was happened to be here for a conference and swung by the studio uh, right before we were hitting record with Dr. Megan Miller. Um, and she said she was training for a half marathon or we helped her train for a half marathon. And I think all that was is she was listening um, sometimes. Yeah. But that's super cool. It's like you just sit down, you record a podcast and you're reaching people across the world. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, listeners. Yeah. It's like so cool to hear and see and meet people like that. Yeah. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah. It's like, we appreciate it. And sometimes we don't think about it. You know, we just sit down and have a conversation about yeah. these things. And it's really cool yeah, to hear that someone were in your ear right now as you're training for a marathon or a half marathon or something like that's just cool stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And while we're at it, my sister sometimes says, hey, it's so cool to see your brother on a podcast. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so neat. I don't know if sis is listening to this one, but sis, you are right. <laughs> I like okay. you. You're cool. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> All right. So great. we did all our shout outs. Yeah. This one is a heavy one. What are we talking about today? We are talking about free will um, and what that means. and Freedom. Are we free? Yeah. Degrees of control. There's some implications in there. And so in general, if you look up free will, one of the things that we're going to spend kind of a lot of our time talking about is yeah. the fact that we can't really define what we mean here Mm -hmm. and that that definition really is very important in understanding what is implied and meant by and the relative importance of free will and all the baggage that comes with that. So um, I kind of already know where I'm going to land, but I'm interested (laughs) to see once we have this discussion, there might be something that has changed my mind. I'm certainly open to that experience. So now if you just look up a definition, you're going to get something along the lines of, it's the the ability um, to act without the constraint of a of necessity or uh, inevitability, and so you can act at your own discretion. Okay. You choose to do the things that you do. That those are your choices. It is you, right? Always, always, always. Right. Which reminds me a little bit of the talk in the morally difficult position of psychology. Yeah, I mean it is related to that because we're talking about 
the extent to which we have praise or blame or responsibility, the concept of sin, a lot of this is linked to if you have free will, then it makes sense to impose things like blame and responsibility and sin onto the things that you do, Mm -hmm. right? And so free will is a necessary concept for some of those other concepts, and therein lies some of the implication. And also there are other things that are sort of wrapped up in that. So if we do have free will, then what about the extent to which we can be influenced to do other things, right? And so let's actually start by just talking about freedom and what freedom actually, what does that mean? And not even in like the political sense, what is the con- the concept of freedom? So you mentioned controlling your actions, right? And being able to kind of be the driver of the bus always. Yeah, that's part of it. Sure. So the idea here is that you are free to the degree to which you are not being controlled by other things. Yeah. Yeah. The extent to which um, you are being forced to do something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And this this comes in. The idea of this is freedom from like coercive control or aversive circumstances. Okay. And so um, thinking of this, that, that actually is related to the political version of freedom, which is to say freedom from being oppressed by some authoritative figure or um, body of people, uh-huh. right? And I- inside of that also is this uh, the idea of control, and that is whether you are being controlled or whether you control things. Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. And and all the things, and I mean, this is just like you could keep going layer after layer on trying to define what these things are. Yeah. <laughs> but just to try and wrap some more words around the implications of understanding what is freedom, why is it important or unimportant, and to what extent do we have freedom? That sort of thing, right? Now, this also seems to have been a discussion that people have been having about as long as people have been having discussions. Yes, yes. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Um, and some of the logic... Like most of psychology. Yeah, we talk basically. talk about it a lot, right? we, yeah. we don't necessarily know what we're talking about forever. Yeah, that, that has definitely been the case over time. <laughs> now, for a long time, there was this sort of intuitive approach to this that we feel free to make choices. We feel freedom. And therefore, we believe that we have free will. All right. Right? We've, it's that logical piece of this. Yes. If we feel it, then that is probably what's there. What's interesting is that the term itself, free will, that was not actually even coined until Christian philosophy in the fourth century. Okay. And some of the Latin, um, the Latin term that I believe was the actual term for this was called liberum arbitrium. I think is how you say that. Yeah, I don't, I don't pronounce this this stuff at all. But <laughs> yeah, um, and and what this is saying is that there is, I mean, I mean that that's that's what was implied is free will. Like that's what that statement is yeah, meant so, to express. Yeah, the idea here is that you have some sort of course of action that you can choose, right? Yeah, and so yeah, this is exactly it, is that there are multiple things that you could be doing, and you direct yourself toward any number of choices, uh-huh. and you make that choice. It's you, buddy. Sounds beautiful, <laughs> doesn't it? And that also means that. You can take the choice over things that you might even feel like you should be taking or you feel obligated to take uh-huh. that someone else might be pressuring you, pressuring you to take. You still get to act, ultimately make the choice, right? That's that's sort of part of it, okay? So you don't have to commit some crime just because you thought you were supposed to commit some crime. You can choose instead to not do that crime. And is this why people feel, quote, compelled to be, to be doing these sort of things? Well, if they didn't, the the argument might be that if they didn't have free will, they would be compelled to do this crime regardless. Like they they didn't actually make that choice. They just did it. Ah, okay. Yeah. So in this case, instead, it was that they acknowledged the circumstances and said, this is the thing that I'm going to do, even though I shouldn't do it. 
And that's part of what's wrapped up in this idea of free will, kind of. Maybe some people see it a little bit differently, but that is at least a potential implication just to mm-hmm. understand what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that position that I just said that it's like if you did something and you didn't have free will, then you felt compelled to act in a particular way. That might be an argument to say like, well, of course we have free will. Like we didn't, we don't feel like we are unable to control the choices that we make. We can control them. And so like, of of course we do. Right. But that's kind of a straw man argument. And a straw man argument means you are creating an argument for your opponent. That is not what they're actually saying. And then you're tearing down that argument that they didn't actually say. Yeah. Right. And so we're not saying Um, And I shouldn't say we, the people who argue against free will, and yes, there are people who do this, um, they they make they're not making the case that people just feel compelled to act in a certain way that they are unable to control their choices. That's not that's not their argument. But that position is sometimes taken by those who say, of course, we have free will. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. so I'm going to try and make sure I'm not (laughs) switching positions too quickly (laughs) for people to follow. Now, what's interesting inside of this is many people inside of psychology have started to question the extent to which we actually have this free will thing. Because, for example, if we simply define free will as we are not influenced by our environmental circumstances or learning, most people are not going to agree with that definition. Mm -hmm. But then what is it? If free will is we can make choices in the opportunity to have a choice, but that choice can still be influenced by our experience and, and pressure from other people. Well, then is that something that's, I mean, is that even a thing? Like at that point yeah. it has reduced the power of something like free will to almost negligible or non-existent. Right. So like if you make the choice at all, then could you argue that there was free will if there was in fact some level of influence from other people? Like where do you draw the line at? Yeah. That was 50% influence and 50% you, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Now you're bringing percentages into this too? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So one person in particular did some really interesting research on this. Um, His name was Benjamin Libet or Libet or Libet, maybe I'm not sure. Enlighten me. Okay. Well, so what he wanted to do is he wanted to look at neurologically what is happening whenever someone makes a choice. Okay. And so what he did is he was studying brain activity and he was asking people to randomly flick their wrist um, at, at some, at some moment. So it, it was just like, at some point, flick your wrist. Right. And so I imagine people listening to this just flick their wrist. Yeah, which is awesome. I just did. Yeah. You heard that microphone bump. This is what it was. Yeah. It was already well known that there, there was sort of this readiness potential, um, neurologically speaking, which means that you could potentially respond to a cue in a, in a moment. Now, what he was asking was whether or not you could record the brain's intention to move before the physical intention that someone had to move, right? Before they knew that they were going to take the action. That would have some huge implications potentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what he wanted to do is he wanted to have subjects report when they felt the intention to move and then, um, and he would watch and he would try and calculate exactly with Within, you know, nanoseconds or within a very short period of time, how quickly their brain made a choice to move before they even reported knowing that they had a choice to move. Okay. And he, this was, this became known as um, Labette's or Labet's W time. And so what he found was that the unconscious brain activity of that potential to move, that readiness to move, right? That that was approximately a half a second before the subject was even aware that they were going to move. Is this consistent? I mean, kind of yes. 
Okay. But I mean, there's a lot to unpack inside of this, but the point that he was essentially trying to make was that the brain is already going to um, have you do some action before you know that you're going to do that action. So that looks like it's not free will. Yeah. Right. Because his his argument being that um, if if the brain is already making choices before we're aware that our brain is make, making choices, then we aren't ever making choices. It's always what our brain is doing. Okay. Now, that is also looking at the cascade of this follows, that follows, that. And yeah. so these things move in sequence. Yeah, and if they very, move in sequence, then it must be a cause effect. It's very mechanical. Yes. yes. That, that's sort of the approach he's taking. And I don't think that that's necessarily accurate. Now, I think that what he did, he did with sound scientific process. Okay. And I think that his conclusion is not totally outlandish or weird. But just to say that Agreed. Like, because the brain activity precedes the action by some small amount of time. That there's no free will. That well, that there's no correlation between the influence of the or, that there's no correlation between like the fact that if the if you're doing anything, then your brain is involved in you doing that. Mm-hmm. And probably because the brain, like there has to be signals to coordinate the muscle and skeletal movements of the body. That's probably going to happen at about the exact same time that the movement happens, probably slightly before. Yeah. It's sort of like if you're in your car and you step on the gas, the car doesn't lurch forward the moment that your uh, your foot starts to press on the gas. It's a very, very short period of time afterward. Yeah. N- nanoseconds. But it has to be that you have triggered the acceleration process yeah and it's not that the car is anticipating your move the mm-hmm. car is moving in response to you but you have to press the pedal which then causes the engine to turn which causes the car to go forward right yeah similar st- thing here might be the case that mechanical yeah mechanical yeah <laughs> that there's a thing that happens and then the brain is involved and then we are re- respond to that event yeah. and that Understanding the reason that I'm I'm curious about this and I wonder how much there is to be learned is because this goes back to the idea that there's a sort of that mind body separation that 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 consciousness or the brain's activity is separate from what the body's doing and therefore can be the causal mechanism of behavior. Okay, because I still think it's worth understanding the fact that there are environmental influences and cues that will evoke our interaction without us necessarily being aware of what that interaction is in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that those are useful in understanding what that choice is that's going to be made. Okay. Yeah. So like you're sitting at a stoplight and it's red and then something elsewhere like another car goes, but they go when they realize they're not supposed to. So they hit the brakes immediately, but you kind of go too. That's an right? awesome example. Yes. Yeah. That happens to me every once in a while. And, and it's like, not that Whoa. You, yeah. I was not supposed to do that. And it's not that Why you did didn't that? know that the light wasn't green. It's not that you d- you even recognize necessarily what was going on. There are lots of cues we attend to when we're driving uh-huh. and many other activities as well. Such as are there other cars driving forward with us yes. when we're in these lanes? Precisely. Yes. And so those are things that are related to we start to react to those cues, albeit subtle ones. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there's some other philosophical things to understand inside of this conversation about free will. Okay. And one of them is this idea of determinism. So what is determinism? (sighs) All right. So there is this universe that is rational. It's orderly. Right. Right. And we we can assume that it's going to be the same as it was yesterday when we wake up today. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. Okay. Essentially that everything in the universe... I'm not going to wake up tomorrow with an orange sky. Unless it's the sunrise. (laughs) But it's going to be blue during the day. Yeah. Unless you're in Seattle or somewhere rainy. You get the point, right? Well, yeah. And and that's sort of... um, 
Gravity is going to keep working. Yeah. And those are just examples of like things that are that are basically going on. But the overall principle of determinism is an assumption. We have to we assume that the yep. universe works in an orderly way. Yep. And that no matter where you are, the same principles follow the same set of rules. And even when there are conditions for those rules that cause them to change, they do so consistently. Yes. Right. So the gravity on another planet, it might be different from the gravity of Earth, but it still follows the same rules of gravity. And we can understand why it's different. Yes. And the effects that it's likely to have because of that difference. Yeah. The idea is like that's there and we have to study it. And this is why we can kind of build up like a stronger and stronger and stronger like um, scientific body. Right. Or understanding of a certain situation is because of determinism. Am yeah. I right here? Yeah. And again, this is just a set of assumptions. You can't necessarily de- prove that determinism is correct because yes. we're assuming that it's correct because we can't prove it. And the assumption is that everything that exists anywhere exists because a specific set of circumstances caused that thing to exist in that way. And that this is common to general scientific discourse. Yes, except for in psychology. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not as not as prevalent in psychology, right? Yeah, which is part of the reason that it's sometimes referred to as a soft science. Yes. Yeah, but now there are people who do psychology, psychological research and their psychological assumptions are st- still matched that of other psychologists psychological assumptions of determinism. Okay. Now, what's also important of this is this is not the same thing as predetermined. Okay. okay. And yes. what, what that means is determinism does not say that everything that happens, it was going to happen that way. Like it, it's something that we're just propelled toward this outcome and it's there's no way to change course or whatsoever. I was put on this earth to achieve this outcome. Yeah. Yes. Or it's sort of like, you know, if I throw this baseball, it's going to follow this direction exactly no matter what. Like if a force of wind comes in, if a baseball bat comes in, that'll change the direction. And um, the, the, the point that that person swings, it that all happens inside of events that we can understand. But that doesn't mean that they are predetermined. Okay. So, so determinism th- does not mean things are like they are un- they're inevitable and they cannot be avoided. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right, so another part of this is a an assumption also called monism. Okay. The idea is that there is one world. One universe, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there are not multiple realities that can sort of conveniently interact with each other only to produce certain outcomes at certain times when it is convenient to do so. We just lost everybody in physics. Yeah. <laughs> they just shut us off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the the thing with a monistic assumption here is this is related to psychology because psychology gets kind of divided on this issue. And this is where, as we've talked kind about, of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we've talked about in this episode and in previous episodes of something called the mind body problem. Yes. And this suggests that our mind is somehow separate from our body. And therefore, because it doesn't exist in a physical reality, reality must exist in some other reality that interacts with us only in a way that it's convenient for it to do so. Yeah. Now, presumably, if there are multiple realities, then anything should be able to happen at any time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Man, that would be cool. <laughs> like you wouldn't... This is the... the So we take this monistic deterministic approach because think of what it would look like if it was indeterminate, if it was chaotic. And completely unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just randomly appear and disappear. Your body could randomly disassemble and reassemble in new ways. Things could just spontaneously happen. If this were the case, and there was and there was just random events that took place, if you ever tried to do a scientific study, you could never 
link the results of that study to a particular event or variable because you could always make the argument, well, that just randomly happened. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just mm-hmm. a thing that happened, right? Now, in order for there to be such a thing as randomness and unpredictability, things would have to happen that could not possibly be described in terms of those participating variables or factors, right? So you can say like, oh, I see what happened in the moment that something has to be investigated. So this is like in the moment that something happens, even something like a dice roll where it seems like it's random, right? Yeah. It does actually depend on the the orientation of the dice before you roll them, the force at which they were cast, the surface that they hit, whether or not they were turned at a certain angle. What's the relative wind in the room? Is this why you always beat me at games? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, when you look at all of those variables and understand how they're related to the thing that happened, then we can look at that and say, oh, now I understand why that happened. Okay. And we don't have real true randomness because everything you can eventually look at all of the variables and understand how any one thing could occur. So, and I mean, there's a whole conversation about like mathematics and mathematical randomness that I don't want to go into, but in terms of understanding things like science, how um, science and psychology and that sort of thing, is there an extent to which we can look at evidence for this? Well, kind of, yeah. Even though that is an assumption, that assumption is not challenged because we don't ever see indeterminate things happen yes and there's this thing called chaos theory that's sort of the flip side of determinism which is that we can never actually understand something completely because we can never describe all the participating factors and variables well that might be true that doesn't mean that they could not possibly be described it's just to say that it's very unlikely we'll ever get to the place where we can have access to all of that yeah that doesn't mean it can't be done it's just like that's a lot of work and for (laughs) very little payoff most of the time right okay okay you need a breath man (laughs) You're loving this one. All right. So, Abraham, sounds like this is very incompatible with the idea of free will. Determinism? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the tenant of this whole thing, right? Is that mm-hmm. if you have the assumption of determinism, you can't also have the assumption of free will. But unfortunately, again, like this depends on your de- your definition, both of determinism and of free will. Are we going to get anywhere in this episode? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> keep listening. Keep listening. So many people argue that the idea of determinism, it does not negate the idea of moral responsibility. Mm-hmm. And again, it's because there, we still understand that there are things that have influenced decisions that we make. The choices that we make to pursue something that is morally responsible, that's influenced by circumstances of our, like how we're raised and the environment we're in when we make those choices. And if that's the case, then we can use those factors to influence others to make similar moral responsible choices. Okay. So for example, if you saw someone volunteering to help homeless people and then you subsequently decided to do the same thing because you're like, hey, that's a great thing that they're doing. I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. It was your choice to do so, but it was influenced by that other person, okay? And, I mean, you can think of this with any any example where you had something going on, going to a baseball game, brushing your teeth, um, the idea of anything that is available and you're aware of and there might be some incentive for, those are all things that influence your decision to do those things. That doesn't mean that it's predetermined. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you didn't necessarily make a choice, and it still doesn't mean that it is this free will chaos theory sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So that the position of determinism in, in this, at least the one that we're sort of taking here is that like those, it's not really a problem that people can still have moral responsibility in these circumstances. If we understand that there are things that influence choices to be morally responsible, we can control them. 
we can influence them. And I mean, control the, the factors, not the people. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so it's worth acknowledging then the implications for this inside of psychology, right? Yes. So why does this matter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the position of sort of the cognitive psychology approach it generally tends to appeal to the idea that humans are not automatons, but nevertheless have these self-propelling powers. Similar to the idea of consciousness when we talked about that, that there's this sort of first cause, and that lies within you. Yes. Okay? Yes. And uh, that is, did you do what you did because you were reacting to something or planning something relevant to your environment, context, and circumstances? Because if so, then that would be considered not free will, mm -hmm. right? But if you did plan, regardless of those things, you did so because you were simply driven to do it by your own internal propulsion, okay? Well, if doing anything involves the outside world, then presumably that means that you are influenced in some way, even subtly, to make the choices that you made. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. Mind blown. And that actually comes to essentially... <laughs> I do my own sound effects, by the way. Yeah. And hand gestures, he's he's gesturing that his brain is exploding out of the side of his head. <laughs> yeah, all over the whiteboard. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. So this all leads to this idea of choice that we've, we've mentioned several times but haven't really talked about. Yeah. And a while ago when we talked about the morally difficult position of psychology, I cited a chapter by um, Hayes and colleagues. Yep. And in there, they make the argument that there is no such thing as choice. But. But what? I don't have choice. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. All right. So what's, what's their argument again? Frame that for us. Yeah. Okay. Essentially what they're saying is that the concept of choice implies that there were multiple things that you could have done and that the one that you chose was relatively arbitrary and that any other thing could have happened instead of the thing that did happen. Okay. However, if the thing did happen, it happened because there were a set of circumstances that made it so that was the thing that was going to happen. Yeah. Again, not, so pre not predetermined. Was, yeah. So was there even a choice at all in the first place, right? R right. Yeah. And in that sense, kind of no. You're always just doing the thing that is makes the most sense and the given circumstances. Yep. And again, not predetermined, but it's when those variables, when those factors all sort of come together. This is what's going to be most likely to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of this probability game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're like, what is most likely to happen given all these factors sort of coalescing in a way uh -huh. to make the most likely choice or outcome of this in the situation? So it sounds like they're saying there's not this free will, but there's, it's kind of on this like sliding scale. I mean, in a way, if I, you're looking at like the totality of everything, right? Like well, if you need to influence, you can go for it. Jump okay. In. You know, I mean, the implication here is that bringing in things like free will and freedom implies that you could be doing something other than what you did, which implies that the factors that contribute to you doing something aren't there. Yes. We know that they're there. Yes. <laughs> we can put them in place and watch the change happen as a result. Mm -hmm. We can arrange circumstances so it's very likely to produce particular outcomes. Yep. And again, we also generally don't have so much control over those factors and variables that we can make anything we want happen. It's relatively limited because we just don't control that much that are relevant yeah. to a person in their life. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people do, but generally that's frowned upon because it's things like slavery and imprisoning people. Yes. Definitely, you know, um, without them being able to do anything about it. Controlling the media. 
<laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So the point of this being that there are multiple people who have made the argument that there's no such thing as free will if free will is defined by the idea that we behave in a particular way outside of the factors and variables that could influence our behavior, which is to say that our behavior is not affected by the things that we learn and the experiences that we have. Mm -hmm. Or if it is, there is a little bit of the experiences we have and a little bit us. Yeah. And again, it just raises the whole question of, well, where do you draw the line? How do you know what's what? What is the contributing factor? We know for a fact that the environment and the circumstances and the learning history, that those things play a role in the choices that we make and the things that we do. And so if we know that those are there, we have no, we have no evidence whatsoever that we make choices without those participating. Yes. And so it seems like it kind of has to be 100% those factors. Mm -hmm. It's going back to the idea that everything we do is a product of our biological organism and its interaction with the stimulating environment around it. And our history. And our, right? yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, and the history uh, um, along the developmental trajectory that we are on. Yes. Yeah, those are the things that influence what we do. And so if you try and make the argument that, well, those things aren't important, we're just going to do what we do, we know that's not the case. Yes. <laughs> and so the argument that's generally made is if free will implies that those things aren't factors, then free will's not, we don't have free will. Mm -hmm. However, if free will is simply that we do have the capacity to make choices, then okay, we have free will. And that kind of doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like <laughs> that That basically is saying we have the capacity to be influenced by our environment. Okay. Well, then we're yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. that's sort of where we end. A kind of cool place for folks that are looking to like bring something useful out of this. I want to bring up real quick Israel Goldiamond. He talked about this concept of degrees of freedom. So if you had five choices, right? That you could potentially engage in and choose. Interesting. That there are potentially, if you kind of imagine those five laid out, there's the white space in between, right? There's four different spots there. Yeah. And so there would be four degrees of freedom. So if you're trying to look at a situation, or I've used this in groups where you're trying to understand the number of services that are available in a certain area and how a policy might affect the degrees of freedom, either good or bad, that are available in the local area. It's kind of a nice common ground, uh, at least colloquially, how to talk about the degree of freedom that there is in a certain system. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that that, that speaks to the idea of freedom can imply that there are a certain number of choices that are available to you. Yep. And so if you have to do something, here are the options of things that you can do. And if that's freedom, well, then fine. Okay, great. Yeah. That's freedom. No yeah. big you know, <laughs> Again, we're on the same page. Yeah. It's yeah. not that we deny that there are things that you could possibly do and that there are multiple routes that, that could be really useful in certain circumstances. Yes. And so there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, which is leading to where my position will ultimately probably end up on this <laughs> that I kind of knew when I started, but we'll get to that in a moment. One thing I forgot to bring up when we talked about this earlier is this concept of free will has not actually been, although it's been discussed quite a bit throughout human discourse over yeah. time, many cultural and religious traditions have not actually had free will as a part of their religious system. So many people have made the argument that there is the concept of free will and we don't have it. Some religious doctrines have simply said that it just doesn't exist. 
And others have argued that it, it does exist. And really, the concept of this largely, as far as we can tell, comes out of uh, the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and But many other cultural traditions don't necessarily have this. Now, it's it's very likely that there are other cultures and other religions that vastly preceded yes. that of Christianity that did have that concept. But at least the term free will and the way that it has is talked about in sort of a modern sense yeah. really came out of the rise of the, the language of Christianity about topics like this. And how it relates to things like sin and responsibility and that sort of thing. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just coming back to the fact that thinking of it in terms of moral responsibility, if you believe that there is no such thing as free will, then one might interpret that to mean that you have no responsibility to behave in a moral way. And again, I just want to reiterate the point that we made earlier that that's not the position that is that is made by those people who argue that we don't have free will. Yes. The position instead is that it's not useful necessarily to blame people and to especially to like take people's lives for behaving in a particular way. But instead that when people do things, we can understand there are variables that are going to contribute to the extent to which someone will make a moral choice or will make what we might call an immoral choice, which is to say we'll do something that we look at as a culture and a society and say that was a good thing versus we look at as a culture and a society and say that was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And good and bad are totally relative terms in this sense. And we can adopt a general attitude of of human welfare and say that like we're just going to call that a universal good and probably most people are going to be okay and be on board with that. Yep. But what that looks like inside of other cultures as far as the nuances are concerned are very different. So for example, you might have a religion where it is immoral to believe in something other than that religion. In that particular society or that culture or whatever, however you want to phrase it, in, that, in those social circumstances, then people believing in something other than the agreed, generally agreed upon religion, it falls into that category of things that is morally bad. Mm-hmm. And that's why I make the point that bad and good are not necessarily black and white things. Yep. Um, and that mostly I feel okay with saying that human welfare is an appropriate thing to say, like, I'm going to push this mostly towards this is always good. And things that are yeah. in, in uh, the the contrast to that are usually always bad. Yeah. Almost always bad. Uh And like, I'm okay with having that be not so just flat gray. Like there's no such thing as good and bad. There's no moral whatever. Um, And I I understand that that's an arbitrary decision that I'm making inside of my own cultural history and this point in time in the world. And at the same time that I feel like it's, it's useful to have a position where I can sort of make that distinction yeah. um, and even conceptually try and defend it by arguing at the very least I can say do no harm. Yep. Okay. Um, and what that looks like, it's more complicated, but you know, what I'm arguing here is that again, thinking of human life and the value of that and human welfare. And then on the other side of that, whatever the contrast to that is as being um, a, a negative thing. Yes. Good. That I feel like they got a little bit off track, but I mean, the point was to bring it back to this idea of what we call the the moral responsibility and moral goodness and what morals means yeah. and our freedom to choose to do the moral or immoral thing. Yeah. And the choices that we make are influenced by the circumstances that we are in and that we know that that's at least part of it. Yep. And since we don't know how much a part of that is our autonomy. Yep. Our free or, will. Or our free will, our yeah. sovereignty. And as far as we can tell, that is not ever to the exclusion of environmental factors or circumstances or experience agreed that 
we can always say that those those factors that are the experience and our learning history and our overall um, psychological development, those are there. And so therefore, because the, the only evidence we have are for those things, that we say those are the only things. Right? Yeah. I found a really great quote the other day um, by the late great author Christopher Hitchens, which say you will about his, his philosophy, that, that man definitely had a way with words. Yeah. <laughs> what he said was, quote, what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. And I thought that was just very appropriate here is that if you can assert that there is free will without evidence of free will, then you can also dismiss the idea of free will without having to provide evidence to the counter of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. A very, a very sort of, I want to say philosophically conservative approach to take, which is to say you are assuming very little about the world. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, it's time for take-homes, Abraham. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a shorter one, and I'm okay with that. The point, the, yeah, the point here <laughs> you is... You okay? You sure? Yeah, yeah, no, okay. I'm good. No, no, I just, honestly, this wasn't a really big conversation, and it could have been. Yeah. Like, it could have gone in, like, really, layers really deep where all the philosophies and, layers and, the and layers. different people have argued different things and all of that. And unfortunately, what we kind of land on here is it just depends on how you define your terms. Yes. And I, I hate saying that. And I know that's like a frustrating place to be. Mm-hmm. But again, it's if you define free will as being that we are not influenced at all by our circumstances, yeah. then almost nobody believes that. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you define free will as we have the capacity to make choices, well, okay, great. We have free will. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's next? Yeah. How do we Super. move forward? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. If that's how you want to define it, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So the 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 implications are lying in where politics. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. In philosophy. Yeah, and especially around things like how you blame someone and their relative responsibility towards certain outcomes. That's heavy. Yeah, I mean it yeah. is. Like the the implications for this are are, are pretty big in terms of how and, and and making those definitions. Unfortunately, though, I feel like it's not a particularly useful concept scientifically. It's just that those implications of it are, are pretty big. And so... Which makes it weird. It really does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of a weird place to be. So I'm just curious, like, where do you sort of land on this at this point? Have I have I changed your mind or, or did you come into this and you didn't really change? Or what do you think? I have not changed my position. Okay. I'm a little bit biased and I've read a lot of this. Yeah. And for me, um, this is kind of how I see things. Yeah. Yeah. So you're on the free will is not a thing camp or where? I don't know. Uh, okay. If free will is a thing, I think the world would be a lot different of a place. Okay. And there would be a lot of, a lot more havoc and a lot more good stuff going on. Like I've seen people in which you can't just make a choice and fix everything right there in the moment. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know about this free will, you know? Okay. I would see the world being a lot different if there was free will. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Where do you stand? Well, coming into it, I sort of felt meh. Yeah. yeah I'm sort of like, I, again, it's like, well, I mean. I, I guess I remember when I was first grappling with this, and it was when I got some words around like what determinism was in my life. Right. And for me, it, it was weird thinking about like, man, can I not choose the direction I want to go? But at the end of the day, it really just came down to, I realized this is all just language. And if I learned how to talk about the things around me and the different choices, quote, that were around me, yeah. the different things that were influencing my behavior, then slowly over time, I could influence the things that I wanted to achieve, the people around me. And so it just didn't seem like a very uh, 
at first it was like a very big thing for me, but it just doesn't seem that important anymore. Yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah, like okay. it's just... It's a word game. It's how you talk about it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I really like that, that wrapping it inside of the, the idea that it's just more words. Like yeah. Free will is just a couple of words that we say. And what it ultimately refers to or means kind of depends on how we use it and how we refer to it. Yeah. And for me, it's just, again, scientifically thinking of it in terms of it's a magical force that propels us to do things that's outside of the laws of nature. Yeah. Like, I don't buy it. But and I if don't you, think anyone would if you logically kind of walked it out in the right way. Right. right. With the right examples. But if you want to believe in free will and define it as our capacity to make choices and that can still be influenced by all those factors, then uh, OK, great. We have cool. free will. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> Sign me up. And so, yeah, it kind of becomes a. Well, in that case, it's not really that important of a discussion because we don't disagree and it doesn't yeah. have any further implications at that point. Yeah. <laughs> right? Cool. You like tap the, you know, cheers on the beer mugs and you're like, good yeah. to go. <laughs> We're on the same page. Exactly. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, I think. And I'm curious, anyone out there listening, if you have any strong opinions about this, we'd love to hear from you. If we changed your mind, we'd love to hear from you. If we just got you more stuck in the position you already had, we'd still love to hear from you. Tear, um, tear us up in the comments. Yeah. Uh, email us, uh, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, all that good jazz at Instagram. I think you can do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Clearly Abraham is not on social media and that yeah. is all me. Yep. Um, yeah. With that said, I think this is it, right? I, I, I got nothing else. I'm good. Thank you so much for making it to the end. If you made it to the end. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you got something out of this. I think that I did. Yeah, I did too. Um, we just hit record. We didn't know where this one was going to go. Yeah. Usually we fun. do a little bit of a discussion about, how the discussion we do a little bit of pre-discussion about how this conversation will turn out and this time i just, just said, said let's just do it yep. hit record and go yeah. see, see what happens all right thank you for listening with that said this is ryan o this is abraham we are out you've been listening to why we do what we do why we do what we do is supported in part by abai's disseminating behavior analysis special interest group and our amazing listeners if you like what you heard, consider heading to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast. Anything helps, and we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brussier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Brendan Bohr does our episode art. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.